0: Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Culturally Competent Direct Care, Meeting the LTSS Needs of Diverse, Dually Eligible Beneficiaries. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on July 25, 2019. In this podcast, we will hear from a panel discussion with Maria Elena Del Valle, an organizational change consultant at PHI, Andrew Adams, chief of staff at Homebridge, as well as Melanie Moorhead, a specialized training coordinator at Homebridge. During this panel, they discussed providing direct care services with cultural sensitivity, as well as training elements for direct care workers to achieve cultural competence. Let's start with you, Melanie. So.
1: During his presentation, as you just heard, Andrew talked about um, the cultural competence training at HomeBridge. And you took that training. So if you could just say a few words about what stood out for you about that training and what you learned that perhaps you didn't know beforehand.
2: Um, good afternoon on your on your end. Uh, just basically uh, the client's cultural needs, uh, their preferences, and how to treat all clients with respect. Mhm. Uh we uh learn by uh, asking questions in an effective way, you know, to learn more about our clients. Um also helped me Helmbridge also helped me understand uh, how to set personal and professional boundaries. Mhm. Mhm. Uh instead of asking um the clients why, you know, they need certain or preference uh met. I ask, you know, more about religion, cultural background, you know, to learn more about them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, ultimately, this uh, provide better care for my client in a professional and respectful manner while maintaining professional boundaries.
1: Thanks. That's really helpful. Andrew, if if it's okay, I want to turn to you on on this point and just pull the lens back a little bit. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to what Melanie shared maybe around the professional boundaries, personal and professional boundaries that she mentioned?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm glad Melanie brought up professional boundaries because that's an important part of our training. And we try to provide guidelines for maintaining healthy relationships with clients. There's a fine balance to be had where caregivers um, need to be really intrinsically curious about their clients, but also respectful and cognizant of not digging too far into their personal lives. So our training curriculum um, helps define and explain culture, diversity, ethnocentrism, um, and discuss how to recognize the assumptions we make in our daily lives and Mm -hmm. how to see when um, folks are... uh, exhibiting behavior that indicates they may not be comfortable with the conversation where it's going.
1: Mm, mm, thank you for that. I appreciate the the explanation of that fine balance. Um uh so so Marilena, I wanted to bring you into the conversation as well uh, as we just talk a little bit more about training and ask if you might be able to share um, some information on what training on cultural competence in other long-term services and support settings uh, looks like. So we're talking about assisted living or a long-term care facility. Could you share a little bit about what that might look like?
4: Sure. For the most part, the concepts we cover in cultural competency training are nearly identical, right? So, But the difference is really about ongoing support. In home care settings, they may have less on-site support for direct care workers because other staff are usually not with them in the homes.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: On the other hand, in the institutional um, settings, they may have more organizational support available for direct care workers, and so that gives them the opportunity to hardwire cultural competency training throughout the larger organization. Mm-hmm. And so well, something that home care agencies do and and others may consider doing is to offer an evening support group for direct care workers to do a peer exchange, to share common experiences uh, about their challenges and to provide support for them.
1: huh. That's, that's a really um, helpful distinction. And then actually, your comment about organizational support reminded me of the webinar that I mentioned at the start of our program today, um, the one we did last year on uh, culturally competent care. And um, we featured an example of an assisted living facility for first generation Japanese American older adults. Um, and I recall that in that training, uh, or in that webinar, they described the training that they provide to staff, but the director also talked about their ability to provide a kind of, you know, on the spot in services. So she mentioned, you know, when they notice a staff member who might have missed a cultural queue. Um so, so I actually think that that's a really good example of the kind of on-site organizational support that you were talking about, Mari-Elena. So thank you for that. I'm going to shift gears now to talking about um, how um, we get to know and understand client needs and preferences. So, so Melanie, I'm going to turn back to you and, and ask you about that. So, you know, when you're assigned a new client, how do you get to know them? And, you know, maybe you get information ahead of time and then you gather information um, yourself when starting up with the client. If you can talk a little bit about that, that might be helpful.
2: Um, it usually starts with the supervisor who gives us uh, basic information, um, including name, address, and preferred pronouns. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- when meeting a client for the f- uh, when meeting my client for the first time, always greet with a smile, explain who I am and why I'm here, and ask for mis- permission to enter their home.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, once I enter, I observe. You know, look around, might be different types of paintings, artifacts, and I, you know, I notice something, and I I would like to, I'll ask them, you know, can they explain um, this piece of art to me? Mm -hmm. And usually they'll explain it, uh, might be passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I always want to learn, you know, learn about your client, learn about their culture, their history. Mm-hmm. uh some of the artifacts might uh be related to a specific, specific uh religion. Mm-hmm. I will ask them, you know, could they explain, you know, their uh their preferences related to their religion.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great example. Um and it it really does uh also highlight what you mentioned earlier about those those boundaries you sort of um asking kind of open ended questions to get them to talk um and uh show curiosity without crossing the line into too um you know something that's too personal. So thank you for that. Let's let's actually, you know, go to some concrete examples. Um so Melanie, if you can share um some of the experiences that you've had in caring for diverse clients and some of the strategies that you used in those situations. Uh, to make sure that you were being respectful of that person's uh, needs and preferences and values. So, can you tell us about one of your clients?
2: Yes, um, we, uh, one of the supervisors gave me an assignment to go to. Um, when I went to the client's home, uh, his mm-hmm. wife answered the phone, answered the door. I introduced myself to her and um, told her my reasoning to be there. Uh, she explained to me that her client her husband's English language was, uh, his skills were, you know, wasn't that uh, good, but she would interpret it for him. Um, Diagnosis of the client, he had fallen and he um, suffered traumatic brain injury. Uh, Client and wife explained that they were Muslim and they kept a a halal household. Uh, They explained to me which stores to go to and what type of meat to purchase. Um, I asked them. Uh, they once she gave me the directions and what she wanted me to uh, purchase. I asked her. I reflected back and said, "This is what you would like for me to purchase, and this is where you would like for me to go." She told me yes. Um, once I made um, did my my uh, shopping for them, I. Was finished for that uh, shift. Um, I reached out to shake her husband's hand, and she explained to me that in their tradition, uh, no physical touching by uh, opposite gender, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that was a learning experience for me because I didn't know that much about the Muslim uh, community. Mhm. Uh-huh. Mhm. Uh-huh.
1: Well, that's a great example, and I think you know reflects a little bit on some of the concepts you talked about earlier. Andrew, if I could actually bring you in at this point and just ask you to, again, pull the lens back on that example and, and talk about how those strategies come from some of the HomeBridge training.
3: Certainly. Uh, I should mention that uh, we're really uh, proud that Maria Elena uh, came to HomeBridge several years ago. And... Uh, Uh, trained us on the coach approach that she talked about, and Melanie demonstrated uh, how we implement that coach approach perfectly. So she talked about um, using open-ended questions to learn more about clients' preferences, and importantly, doing that paraphrasing, mirroring back the client's request back to them to ensure that that she understood the request completely.
1: Thank you. Thanks for drawing all those connections, Melanie. I'm going to come back to you again and and ask you to share another story about one of your clients and how you met uh, their cultural competency needs.
2: Uh, my supervisor uh, gave me a client. Uh, my cl- the client was male born, but uh, uh, she was transgender. So when I met her, I uh, knocked on the door. She uh, asked who it was. I told her my name was Melanie from Homebridge. And um she said, Come in. Uh, when when I arrived, she had on um she wore a wig and she had on women's lingerie. I asked her at that point, When would you like for me to call you? And she said, Miss Stephanie. She said, That's what everybody calls me. I, and and from there on that's what I called her until this day, whenever I see her. I see. Mm -hmm. Hi, Miss Daphne.
1: Oh, that's great. And and again, I'm going to ask Andrew to sort of pull back that lens and talk about the context um, of that situation. Um, I think you mentioned a little something about this earlier, but can you talk about the, you know, preferred name versus what's um, on the forms?
3: Certainly. Um yeah, I did mention before that um in, in here in California we have Medicalls or State Medicaid system. And often um the name that uh and that's how we get our clients is is we that information is shared through that system. And so often in these situations, um the name that's present in that um, state database may not match how the client presents and how that client would like to be uh called. So interactions between the caregiver and the client are important to identify and document um, any changes to preferred names and pronouns. And so we both um, teach our caregivers to be cognizant of that and respectful of that, and then also um, so that it's not just a, a, a one-time thing to uh, either change that in our case management system or to report that back to their supervisors so that they can do that. And we've actually created a, an alias field in our database um, so that any new staff member interacting with that client can see that while their legal name may be something else, they prefer to be called by this name.
1: Great. So it sounds like you've got both training and infrastructure in place to support um uh, your clients uh that um maybe have you know a, a gender or sexual orientation differences however they prefer so that's that's very respectful and again it's it's born out of your your um uh the infrastructure you've put in place including the training so I'm going to actually turn it back to Marielena. You know, we started our session today with you providing us with an overview of cultural competence training, and you've just heard Melanie describe some of her experiences as a direct care worker, Um, and just hoping that maybe you can bring us home by by reflecting a little bit about what you heard and how it connects to what you talked about earlier.
4: Yes. Um, First of all, I want to say thank you to Melanie for, thank you, Melanie, for those Uh, incredible to examples, and also to Andrew for representing all the hard work and commitment that has to go into doing this work well, both on an organizational level and then supporting the direct care workers the way that you all do in Homebridge, but um, in Melanie's example, it really highlights the qualities that direct care workers need to serve diverse populations. It also helps to track back to the learning path to cultural competency I talked about earlier. Uh the awareness, the honesty and responsiveness are very important guiding principles in providing quality when we're doing person centered care. It's in you know, the need to be aware of oneself and and also of the client at the same time is really what allows us to navigate these unknown moments and these unpredictable moments so to be honest and to and to ask about your clients preferences when you're unsure the way that Melanie did when she really that was a great example with the Muslim family and finding out what was necessary and just by the way you were you could tell Melanie that you were so present and doing the nonverbal listening of paying attention to facial expressions and paying attention to important information on how to serve that client. And to be so responsive in the second example that you gave with the, with the, the transgender, and I can tell, like, the sincerity and, like, if this is what you prefer to be called, this is what I will do. Um, so, this really supports a lot of what PHI's vision and mission is that quality jobs lead to quality care. And I'm sure that uh, those clients of Melanie, they, they must be so appreciative of your commitment to provide person centered care the way that you do. So, training direct care workers to pay attention and respond to their clients unique needs and preferences leads to moments where clients show the appreciation of care they have received, like the examples we just heard. This helps to build trust between the care workers and clients in a very meaningful way.
1: Mm, mm, that's great. It, it really sort of Uh, emphasizes, you've underscored this um, issue of, you know, relationships. And, you know, when you're talking about being in someone's home, it really is this very, you know, intimate um, relationship that I think, um, you know, requires the kind of training that we've talked about uh, today and the kind of attention to um, issues that we've talked about today. So I want to take a moment to thank you all for the conversation. Um, It was really terrific to hear from you, Melanie, from, you know, your ground experience.
0: Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, Coordinated Care, MMCO, is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.